I'm really speaking about all of humanity, you know, without exception of anybody, you know. And I, I know that um, a lot of the content in the songs is very heavy, you know, but uh, see, fantasy is what people want, but reality is what they need. And I've just retired from the fantasy part because I realized that uh, Vibrations around die 
I am the earth and water, I am the full moon, I am the first mother, the universal womb. They call me sacred lotus, wisdom of the kind supreme, the mothership that brought the first terrestrial being. I come from distant planets, and now I have returned. I am the great goddess, come to you in human form. Mysterious by nature, I hold my magic wand, cast my Kyrie shells and read them in the dirt I stand on. My power is electric, you feel it in my gaze. I will live on when others perish in the end of days. They call it I mortal, I move through space portals. My body turns to dust, I trade it for a better model. I am the shrine keeper, civilization teacher. I am the sun's reflection and the divine receiver. I birthed the last giants, now call the juggernauts. When I designed the trees, I made the roots from my Nazi locks. I am the fertile ground, and I am heaven's skies. I'm made of dark matter and full of pure light. I'm just a tiny proton inside the smallest atom. I am a black hole pulling stars inside my chasm. You think you know me, but my name eludes you well. I am your consciousness, and I'm your dream spell. I am but all things, yet I am none at all. Enemies fear me, but mostly they just respect and awe. Something, as we say, I'm compelled by a spiritual force that I cannot resist. Besides me, I share concubines by the shay. Um, which means? Which means a spiritual force that I cannot resist. I am the earth and water, I am the full moon, I am the first mother, the universal womb. They call me sacred lotus, wisdom of the kind supreme, the mothership that brought the first terrestrial being. I come from distant planets, and now I have returned. I am the great goddess, come to you in human form. Mysterious by nature, I hold my magic wand, cast my carry shells and leave them in the dirt I stand.
ain't gone. My power is electric. You feel it in my gaze. I will affirm when others perish in the end of days. They call it I mortal. I move through space portals. My body turns to dust. I traded for a better model. I am the shrine keeper, civilization teacher. I am the sun's reflection and the divine receiver. I birthed the last giants. Now call the juggernauts. When I designed the trees, I made the roots from my Nazi locks. I am the fertile ground and I am heaven's skies. I'm made of dark matter and full of pure light. I'm just a tiny proton inside the smallest atom. I am a black hole pulling stars inside my chasm. You think you know me, but my name eludes you well. I am your consciousness and I'm your dream spell. I am but all things, yet I am none at all. Enemies fear me, but mostly they just respect it all. They always thought Africa was something dark and mysterious because of lack of knowledge. If you want to go to Africa, go back to Africa. You know, all those kind of negative things that try to make you really feel bad, but, you know, you just show their own ignorance. Because I feel good about my Africanism. joyful exaltations and greetings to those who liberate themselves. Welcome to Women Wednesday. I'm your host, Mariama Tanay. Blessings, greetings, and love to all within the listening ear. Tonight's theme, 
Tonight's theme is the task of seeing past the mask, the eight mask of men. The task of seeing past the mask, the eight mask of men. We're going to start off tonight in the praise up because there's nothing new under the sun that the Most High has not already defined and decided upon in Yeshua's name. We're going to start off first in um, the King James Bible, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word. Matthew 7.15. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Colossians 2, 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. 1 Peter 5.10 But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. 1 John 4.1 Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. John 17.17 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. 2 Thelosians 3.6 now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. Isaiah 25, 7, And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people. The face of the covering cast over all people, and the veil, the veil that is spread over all nations. And Second Corinthians three twelve to eighteen. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses who put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away. In the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ? But even unto this day, when Moses is read, 
the veil is upon their heart. Nonetheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The veil, the mask, sisters and brothers, we have the task to see what's behind the mask. And tonight we're going to delve into the eight masks of men in Yeshua's name. We're going to take a music moment. Blessings and strength. Children never settle 
But I'm not gonna never give you more than your men for Pull up on no each and light Peace to the world more time Speak truth and right Oh It's so unite It's so unite Stayed in my child like even though her soul was older Looked up at the stars, wonder why she felt homesick Channeled counsel to the elders once they took notice of this I need a subject though she channeled, didn't know a bit for she knew it Lurking in the shadows on some colder shit Strangers now can name her in a role that ain't supposed to fit Super freaky alcoholic, love to smoke the doja Kid mama had to swoop her up, help her get control of it Baby had a breakdown, broke the window, she could throw a fit Hauled off in handcuffs, 5150 Strapped into a stretcher, shot her up to make a dizzy All she ever wanted was to make some music for the kid Caught him by desires, past abuse had made a focus skill True and living lotus grew from mud, felt the choke of it Standing to the sun, heard the message, took a hold of it Then and there, she started to feel the metamorphosis Pledged to be a scribe for the ancient and the holiest Some wonder why she hold her head so high The point of this discussion is that she did not die, so strive Didn't you know there's no way out? <laughs> there's my way You make the best of this situation, you'll survive. Got 
God is with me when I want to spaz. God is with me when I'm ditching class. God is with me when I act the fool. God is with me when I'm in the pool. God is with me when I'm kicking cool. God is with me when I break the rules. God is with me. Blessings and grace as we move forward into tonight's theme, the task of seeing behind the mask, the eight mask of men. When I was growing up about 14 years old, my mom told me something um, that stayed with me. Bless my mother. Um, she told me there was about 20 spirits in this world and that once I encountered them, I should take note so that I did not have to go through the same rigmarole I went through the first time. And in that, um, in that instance, I paid attention to all who came in front of me and the familial spirits that I encountered. Sometimes you can meet a person and you go, that person reminds me of so-and-so. Or the energy that's amplified in the interaction reminds you of an interaction you had with someone else. And that's for a reason. Same spirit, different person. And a poem came to mind that I had um, remembered, that I read as a child, that I felt was apropos for today's broadcast. And it's by the great Paul Lawrence Dunbar. He lived from 1872 to 1906. He wrote the famous poem, We Wear the Mask. We wear the mask that grins and lies. It hides our cheeks and shades our eyes. This debt we pay to human guile, with torn and bleeding hearts, we smile and mouth with myriad subtleties. Why should the world be overwise in counting all our tears and sighs? Nay, let them only see us while we wear the mask. We smile, but, O oh, great Christ, our cries to thee from tortured souls arise. We sing, but, O oh, the clay is vile beneath our feet and long the mile, but let the world dream otherwise, we wear the mask. Now Paul Lawrence Dunbar's parents were slaves, and he taught himself how to read and write. And he was known for writing in what we now know as Ebonics. Um, but he also mastered, as per that poem I just read, the English language, and he mastered being able to capture what it is that 
people of African descent have experienced and gone through in this country. And by that means, you know, others that have come here from other nations and other cultures and tried to assimilate into what is this America. We wear the mask. So we have to be able to see behind the mask. Now in researching this topic, I'm referencing the works of um, Mind Warrior by Dr. Ha Ha Lung, as well as a must read, um, A Sociology of the Absurd written by a Stanford um, sociologist, M. Lyman and Marvin B. Scott. Now, in their books, they talk about there are eight of these persona, masks, that we wear from time to time, and varying degrees with varying degrees of success, depending on the circumstances. Some of these masks are necessary for keeping up social appearances. Others grow out of social obligations. And so Lyman and Scott call these agreed upon social scripts. I validate you and you validate me. We're all capable of assuming any of these eight masks at any given time. Not too surprising for getting um, stuck in the rut prone human beings is the fact that some of us wear the mask so long that our true face comes to resemble it. Now the first of these masks is called the mask of the chameleon. The ephemeral, a true shapeshifter, the chameleon. Mood and manner is always changeable, amorphous, hard to pin down. Some chameleons are deliberately shifty. Others simply because they can't help themselves. It's their nature, blending into the background, following the path of least resistance. This type of person makes the perfect enemy since he has little ambition and no inspiration. He has no purpose in life. When placed in charge of others, his orders are vague and hard to follow on one hand and ever changing to the point of confusion on the other. With the chameleon as your enemy, all you have to do to defeat him is encourage his lack of commitment. Conversely, give the chameleon personality a dose of aggressive hero personality. And a chameleon becomes the most unpredictable of enemies, one constantly changing shape and tactics, a clay face capable of confounding you at every turn by his lack of consistency and predictability. If a predictable enemy is a godsend, then an unpredictable enemy must surely come straight from the bowels of hell. Thus being unpredictable was Sun Tzu bread and butter. For those that know, Sun Tzu wrote the art of war. Other Asian masters and strategists also took this principle to heart. Nothing is constant in war, save deception and cunning. Here lies the true way. Sao Sao said that. And Li Chung, dodge left, strike right, dodge right, strike left. 
fake an attack forward to cover your retreat. Pretend retreat before spring forward with ferocity. And always beware that while you're busy trying to spy out the chameleon's patterns, don't allow yourself to be distracted or to waste your valuable resources trying to discern his patterns. He doesn't have one. He's flying by the seat of his pants, reckless and making it up as he goes along, rolling with the punches while looking for his opportunities to deliver the knockout blow. However, once... Once taken to the other extreme, you encounter a foe that changes his mind and his strategy so often, even his own men are confused by his orders. This is a great kind of enemy to have, one who confuses his own men, saving you the trouble of having to do so. Since he lacks any clear direction, any commitment to a cause, the chameleon can easily be turned that is convinced to join your cause and or easily recruited as a double agent. If you do succeed in recruiting him to your cause, keep a close eye. Don't assume because of his ability to blend into any background that the chameleon automatically makes a trustworthy person. Because his lack of commitment, he can all too easily be turned again by the enemy. Overstand. The mask of the chameleon. The one that blends in never stands out. You don't know which way they're going because they don't take a personal stand. And the mask of the accountant. This person is sanguine and practical, no nonsense, and utilitarian. The accountant can also be cheerful and appear confident but only within his own field of expertise, his comfort zone. Now, the accountant doesn't necessarily mean a person who studied to be an accountant. It's just a type. Overstand. A good and loyal worker bee. He secretly dreams of the good life, but he lacks the originality and depth to make it happen on his own. Get his attention by offering to help him accomplish this. Tempt his opportunistic streak with the too-good-to-be-true offer, but make sure you dot all the I's and cross all the T's before showing him your proposal. No matter how enthusiastic he is about a project, he's still read every word of the fine print with a heavy, heavy sigh before he signs on the dotted line. The mask of the accountant doesn't have the originality but has the aspirations overstand. And they're always good to have on your side as they want to pursue and live their own dreams, if even through you. And the mask of the shy, sensitive and sentimental. In the extreme, the shy is introverted and timid, resulting and is often being indecisive. He'd fit perfectly in with those guys on that show, The Big Bang Theory. A nerd, yes, but often a master in his field. His flaw, and your gaping gateway into his world, is that he's lonely and repressed from keeping his secret desires hidden. 
Once you uncover his secrets, rather than betray his secrets, encourage and reinforce them, binding him closer. Assure him that back in the day, a long time ago, back in the Middle Ages, it was okay to do such and such. Thus, the savvy person enters his world through his fascination for the nostalgic. He is in love with the way he believes the past was. Overstand. Feed that belief and you can have him as part of your team. Idealize the past with him and you will be his friend. Use phrases like traditional values and respect for the past. In extremists, he sometimes loses himself in things past, like collecting. Inside, he's playing historical videos and, um, you know, outside, he's, you know, going to tour, you know, different museums and dwelling in the past. The mask of the shy. Overstand. The shy has an eye for the past. And, you know, the mask of the shy is what um, brought the Trump <laughs> into play. These are the guys that go and do that civil war reenacting. They voted for Trump. Overstand. Let's make America great again. They tapped into that mask. Because these people are walking all around us. We have to be able to see. So, so that we can become free. Overstand. And the mask of the hero. He adapts well. He's sociable. And unlike the accountant, the hero lives in the present. He's action-oriented, impulsive, and easily excitable, any of which can either work for or against him. Quick to anger, he's just as quick to be distracted by his next cause and forget his initial anger. If he's your ally, be aware of his ADD. Attention Deficit Disorder. Out of boredom, he may jump the gun and attack your mutual enemies too soon. Or he may jump the gun and act on what you planned too soon. In his enthusiasm, he may not pay close enough attention to the potentially fatal flaws in his plans. Details bore him. But as we know, the devil's in the details. That's how you get caught up, by not paying attention to the details. If he's your subordinate, give him plenty to keep him busy. This person is a good soldier, a tireless worker, but one easily distracted and bored. To counter this, always have different assignments waiting for him, missions that won't give his mind time to shift, drift, Give him his marching orders and then turn him loose. He becomes passionate in action and tends towards being authoritarian in attitude, but generally accomplishes anything he sets his mind to or anything you set in his mind to do. If the hero is your enemy, distract his attention with plenty of bells and whistles. Right? Send one of your, one of your um, assistants to openly challenge him, right? To capture his attention, probe for weakness, distract him. 
while your main force seizes your own true objective. Now, the hero makes a good spy over Stan, except for his one flaw, becoming passionate about a cause within a cause. His zeroing in on a single person or aspect of the overall assignment, losing sight of the big picture. Utilize the hero's talents best by not filling him in on the big picture, deploying him only on a need-to-know basis, right? Only feeding him a series of immediate individual assignments to accomplish, all of which culminate in you accomplishing the big picture. And, you know, we have to ascertain these different facets of persona and personality in mass as they are being used against us in our workplace, understand politically, communally, right? Sometimes we don't even understand what's happening around us and we are in a role that we did not decide to be in because someone recognized the mask on us. Okay, the next mask is the mask of the lover. Only slightly less impulsive than the hero, than the hero, the lover is sociable and adapts well to any environment, instantly passionate and committed, perhaps even fanatical about any project he takes on, always calculating. He can become authoritarian when he becomes worried about the project that's going to go wrong unless he personally sees to every minute detail of the operation. That's when he'll, you know, stand up and be in charge and he micromanages, right? And so he's better, he's, you know, he's best suited for working alone. Lest he infuriates his co-workers and causes dissension within the ranks. So... With the lover mask, even though the person is a lover, they're a lover of what they're doing. They're passionate about what they're doing. And they want to see to all the details of it to bring everything to its fullest potential. As a ruler, you know, um, he tries to run the battlefield while sitting on a throne. Right? The lover's not going to get down and dirty with the rest of them, you know, and that violates for those that have read Sun Tzu's The Art of War, that violates Sue's commandment, you know, you can't be not hands-on. And also, the lover may suffer from OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, because they want to make sure they're so passionate about what they're doing that they become obsessive about every single detail of it. The next mask is the mask of the indifferent. The indifferent. Unmotivated, lacking interest. If the indifferent is your enemy, keep him unmotivated. Not by, not by engaging. Don't engage him. Okay? You don't, you don't want to overtly disturb him with your plans and preparations. With any luck, he'll sleep right through it. <laughs> On the other hand, if the indifferent is your ally, you make that person your front man, 
literally putting him out front where you can keep an eye on him. But you can give him motivational kick whenever you need to. You know, because the lazy affair demeanor, the laid back attitude, or the generally lazy appearance will alleviate your enemy's suspicion of what you're up to. And the next mask is the mask of the edge. The man or woman on the edge, the person that's edgy. This person lives in the moment. They're often impulsive, always watchful. And an even and nervous temperament is often given to extremes of mood swings, possibly bipolar. Some perceive this person to be a flip artist or wishy-washy, always switching horses midstream. This is the original cat on a hot tin roof, restless, suspicious, loud noises make him jump. But you never know which way he'll jump. Still waters will be the depth of them, because still waters run deep. And the person on the edge is on the edge, right? So because he too often leaps before he looks, not out of reckless bravado like the hero, but out of fear of losing out, of being left out, or being late to take advantage of an opportunity. Um, this person is represented like by the tarot card, the fool, to give some kind of um, perception to it. A man literally perched on the edge of a great precipice, oblivious to the danger. If this person is your ally, business partner, or lover, don't let him take you down with him. If the edge is your enemy, give him a hand in the small of his back. And the mask of the skeptic, the skeptic, this kind of person questions everything. Good in the long run for efficiency, but slow to start. However, he has a proven track record of perceiving once you point him in the right direction and set him in motion, right? Capable of operating on his own, capable of making good, unemotional, and methodical, but slow decisions. Put the skeptic on your team to balance out the hero personalities on your staff so eager to leap without looking. The skeptic always looks and given enough time usually sees what needs seeing and what needs doing. He likes things orderly, so show him a better way to organize his world and he'll be loyal for life. Attract him to you and impress him into your cause with your personal orderliness. See, we have to be able to create teams if we want to move, right? That old saying, if you want to go someplace fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. It's time for us to move farther than where we've been. So we have to understand these different masks and these different personality types, not in a sense of, you know, breaking people down, but to lift up whatever the nuances that we're working on and to take them and carry them farther and forward. So just to review, the eight mass types are the chameleon, who's the shapeshifter in mood and manner, adapting and blending well, the accountant, who's practical, no-nonsense, a good worker, 
that will see things through to the end and wants to be a part of a team and wants to have a dream fulfilled over Stan in a big way. And then you have the shy, the mask of the shy, who is sentimental and nostalgic, right? They collect things and they live in the past and they like to bring the past forward or aspects of the past. Then you have the hero mask who lives in the present and they're action-oriented, they're impulsive, they're easily excited, right? And they'll jump right in and get their hands dirty. And the lover, the mask of the lover is slightly less impulsive than the hero and adapts well to any environment and who's instantly passionate. But they delegate more than they get their hands involved. They delegate and they're very involved with the details of the delegation, but they won't be on the ground, right? Then you'll have the indifferent, who's unmotivated, lacking interest, but can be utilized as a front man to not let your competitors be wise to the true power behind the scenes. Then you have the person that lives on the edge, that lives in the moment, who's impulsive, always watching, kind of paranoid and jumpy. This is the person you do not follow at all. And you really don't want them on your team. And you have the skeptic who questions everything and is slow to make decisions but makes good decisions and likes to and adheres to maintaining order. Even in the book um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he talks about the importance of having a team. You know, um, you want to have people on your team that, you can work with in tandem, hand in hand, so that all aspects are covered. And as a group, all these different masks and personality types can be utilized for their greatest good. But we have to be able to recognize who these people are around us and bring out the goodness in them so that we can serve the greater good of the Most High and see forth what it is that he wants us to put out. Overstand. So look around you. We each have some of these aspects in ourselves. I know I do. You know, I have a little bit of chameleon. <laughs> I have a little bit of hero. I have a little bit of skeptic. You know, but it's about which one is the dominant. And once you have an eye and you're paying attention, you're observing, you can see which one is dominant in, in, in each person you encounter. And if you're working in a group dynamic, you can fill your group. And okay, I'll make this one the front man. Uh, this one's going to be in charge of this. I'll make the one with the lover type personality in charge of, you know, the details and the specifics because they're so passionate that they don't want to let anything out of their grasp. And they want to make sure everything goes through right. And we'll have them work in tandem with the skeptic who will keep them in order, right, and maintain the orderliness of the program or the situation that you're going through, right? And the people on the edge, you want to just notice them and keep them away from you because they're too shaky and, you know, impulsive and they may mess up the operation, okay? So you have to understand what's happening, the dynamic of the personalities around you so that we can come together and work together. That's the whole thing, working in groups. We have to come back to the group dynamic. Come back to the group dynamics. We can see things through to fruition. We have to create teams. You know, it takes teams to see dreams come true. Overstand. It's very rare to have a one-man show make a go and go far. 
We have to work together, unity, as a unified front, and understand each person's, you know, mission within the team and how they all work together. In Yeshua's name, let us all work together. Let us, up, let us uplift the good and let us find our contemporaries, you know, so that the things that need to be done can be done efficiently, effectively, in Yeshua's name. We're going to take a music moment and come back with the going gnosis. Blessings and grace. Take your mind. Oh, 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 
people and goes away and wait until the time when that he can secure the kingdom. Then he returns to the people that uh, he had made himself uh, manifest. So I think that is a pretty good uh, answer. Well, uh, I can't do anything without consulting my crystal. Let's uh, go inside here. We'll uh, come along and I'll show you. That's right here. Sit right down here. That's it. <laughs> this uh, this is the same genuine, magic, authentic crystal used by the priests of Isis and Osiris in the days of the pharaohs of Egypt, in which Cleopatra first saw the approach of Julius Caesar and Mark Anthony and uh, and so on and so on. Now, uh, you uh, you'd better close your eyes, my child, for a moment in order to be better in tune. With the infinite. It's frustrating when you just can't express yourself And it's hard to trust enough to untrust yourself Stand exposed and naked In a world full of hatred Where the sick thoughts of mankind control all the sacred I pause, take a step back Record all the setbacks And fast forward towards the stars in the jetpack My feet might fail me My heart might ail me The synagogues of Satan might accuse and jail me Strip crown nail me Brimstone hail me They might defeat the flesh But they could never ever kill me They might could feel the music But could never ever feel me To the lawyers, to the sheriffs To the judges, to the debt holders And lawmakers Fuck you, sue me, bill me That name on that birth certificate That ain't the real me The lies can't conceal me The sunrise and the moon ties And the sky's gonna reveal me My brain pours water out My tear ducts to heal me My law's too beneficent The message grab a hold to every ear It get whispered in The waters in the bayous of New Orleans Still glistening The universe is listening Be careful what you say in it My grandma told me Every bed a nigga make He lay in it The church you go to pray in it Work is on the outside, staring out the windows is for love songs and house flies.
your news infused with consciousness. Um, according to Yahoo News, President Donald Trump offered a partial denial in public, but privately defended his extraordinary remarks, disparaging Haitians and African countries. Trump said he was only expressing what many people think but won't say about immigrants from economically depressed countries, according to a person who spoke to the president as criticism of his comments ricocheted around the globe.
Trump spent Thursday evening calling friends and outside advisors to judge their reaction, said the confidant, who spoke on condition of anonymity because he wasn't authorized to disclose a private conversation. Trump wasn't apologetic about the inflammatory remarks and denied that he was racist, instead blaming the media for distorting his meaning, said the confidant. Critics of the president, including some Republicans on Friday, blasted the vulgar comments made in the Oval Office in a meeting with the group of senators. Trump had questioned why the U.S. would accept more immigrants from Haiti and shithole countries in Africa as he rejected a bipartisan immigration deal, according to one participant, and people briefed on the remarkable conversation. The comments revived charges that Trump is racist and roiled already tenuous immigration talks that included discussion of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Program, or DACA. The language used by me at the DACA meeting was tough, but this was not the language used, Trump insisted in early tweets Friday, pushing back on some depictions of the meeting. But Trump and his advisors notably did not dispute the most controversial of his, of, of his remarks, using shithole, a shithole, to describe African nations and saying he would prefer immigrants from countries like Norway instead. Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois and other Democrats um, in the room said Trump had indeed said what he was reported to have said. The remarks Durbin said were vile, hate-filled, and clearly racial in their content. He said Trump used the most vulgar tone more than once. If that's not racism, I don't know how you could define it. Florida GOP rep Ileana Rosen Ross Lachine told WPLG-TV in Miami, Senator Dianne Feinstein, Democrat of California, said the comments were beneath the dignity of the presidency and Trump's desire for more immigrants from countries like Norway was an effort to set this country back generations by promoting a homogenous white society. Republican leaders were largely silent, though House Speaker Paul Ryan said that vulgar language was very unfortunate and unhelpful. Trump's insults, along with his rejection of the bipartisan immigration deal drafted by six senators, also threatened to further complicate efforts to extend protections for hundreds of thousands of young immigrants, many of whom were brought to the country as children and now are here illegally. This man, who's been declared the president of the United States of America, is calling other countries shitholes. This is disgusting and totally purposefully inflammatory. On Politico.eu, Trump is a racist asteroid of awfulness, says senior British MP. U.K. labor politicians spoke out against U.S. President on Sunday. U.S. President Donald Trump is an asteroid of awfulness as well as a racist. British Labor Shadow Foreign Secretary Emily Thornberry told the BBC Andrew Marr on Sunday, he is an asteroid of awfulness that has fallen on this world, Thornberry said. I can't agree more. That's a perfect term, an asteroid of awfulness. I think that he is a danger, and I think that he's a racist. 
Thornberry's comments follow reports that Trump referred to Haiti, El Salvador, and African nations as shithole countries and expressed an interest in welcoming immigrants from Norway instead. The Labour MP also also dismissed Marr's suggestion that Britain needs to keep Trump happy in order to work out trade deals with the U.S. The fact that Trump said he could orchestrate a deal in a matter of weeks means he doesn't show he has a real grasp of what a trade deal is. These things take years, said, said Thornberry, adding that there are others in the U.S. government to talk to about getting a deal in place. Meanwhile, Labor Party leader Jeremy Corbyn told ITV's Preston on Sunday he wasn't disappointed nor surprised that Trump canceled his trip to the U.K. to open a new U.S. embassy in London. The reaction against him would be huge, said Corbyn. Corbyn also downplayed the significance of the U.K.'s relationship with the U.S., saying, I think there are many more important relationships. This man is destabilizing the connections that have been made in this country with other countries. And just one conversation. One conversation. And talking about these countries that he um, is calling shitholes. I went to PewResearch.org. PewResearch.org. And um, at the Pew Research Center, it says, and this is as of January 2nd, 218, particularly good days are common in African and Latin America particularly good days. If you live in sub-Saharan Africa or Latin America, you are more likely than people in other regions of the world to say you're having a particular, uh, particularly good day, along with the United States. For the past several years, Pew's Research Center Annual Global Attitude Survey has, has started with the following question. How would you describe your day today? has been a typical day, a particularly good day, or a particularly bad day. In 2017, we asked this question of nearly 42,000 people in 38 countries around the globe. Although most people worldwide describe their day as typical, and relatively few um, described it as particularly good, people in sub-Saharan Africa and Latin America specifically were more likely to view their day positively. Roughly half of Africans... And Latin Americans, surveys said their day was particularly good. Other regions, especially Europe, overwhelmingly des described their day as typical. So if it's a shithole, why are they having good days? You know, they're living fine. And he's taking upon himself to define them as less. And that's despicable. Burn fire on everything he's trying to cause. And in the same realm of racism, um, H&M closes locations in South Africa after protesters trashed the stores. H&M closed down all of its stores in South Africa after the, after the stores were ransacked by a group protesting in H&M online advertising featuring a black boy wearing a hoodie. The Swedish-based clothing retailer announced all stores in South Africa were temporarily closed after the protesters trashed the stores on Saturday. Activists in, and consumers were outraged over an H&M ad featuring a black boy wearing a hoodie that read, Coolest Monkey in the Jungle. Coolest Monkey in the Jungle. And the white boy in the same ad, the Caucasian boy, his shirt said, Natural Survivalist. 
okay? So we're the monkeys and they're the survivors. The protesters organized by a social justice group called Economic Freedom Fighters, EFF, ransacked stores in Cape Town, Pretoria, Santon, Midran, and Boxburg. Only the Santon location reopened on Monday. H&M issued a statement on Saturday saying none of their employees were injured during the riots. We make no apology about what the fighters did today against the store called H&M, said Julius Malema, a political activist in South Africa. Every shop that undermines black people must be attended to, he said. It must be shut down. It must be closed. While many on social media understood the anger directed toward the retailer, some activists praised H&M for donating money and resources to, to um, South Africa in the past. EFS message was loud and effective but went against what should be happening, which is discussions, um, tweeted. T.K. Matakenye on Saturday. H&M contribute to the country and money that flows. They provide jobs and give people access to funds. Even if only one H&M store closes or closes for a while, it affects a family. The H&M the ad led celebrities such as Canadian Rapper The Weeknd to cut ties with the retailer. You know, it's like every every six months or so, there's some kind of mistaken act of racism by one of these stores and ones need to pay attention and not give your money to them don't make them richer maybe they'll they'll you know keep their eyes um their eyes open and they'll be paying attention to what they put out for us to see and on cnn.com on cnn.com South Africa formally protests Trump's shithole country remarks. In Johannesburg, South Africa issued a diplomatic protest to the United States Monday over President Donald Trump's shithole country's comment, according to its foreign ministry. South African diplomats also met with the U.S. embassies, charged their affairs Monday to express their concerns. In a statement, the South African Department of International Relations and Cooperation, the DIRCO, didn't specifically mention the vulgarity but said it was concerned about the statements that were allegedly made by President Donald Trump concerning African nations. The DIRCO noted South Africa's contributions to the United States and said international reactions clearly serve as a united affirmation of the dignity of the people of Africa and the African diaspora. The statement also noted that Monday was Martin Luther King Day in the United States. The U.S. Embassy and its top diplomat, diplomat responded by saying, there has been no change in the United States dedication to our partners across the continent and that the United States deeply respects the people of Africa and South Africa, according to the DIRCO statement. No U.S. reaction to the meeting was immediately available. During an Oval Office meeting on immigration on Thursday, Trump expressed frustration with people coming to the United States from countries in Africa and elsewhere, sources told CNN. And the fact that this was done on the anniversary, literally, the anniversary of the earthquake that nearly destroyed Haiti in conjunction with the Dr. Martin Luther King holiday. It's such a slap in the face to people of African descent. It's just disgusting. And it was purposeful as far as I'm concerned. It's purposeful. So we cannot let this energy infect our spirit. We need to see it for what it is and know that it is a strike on our consciousness and on us being better and being more than what we are. 
to try to bring our energy down, and we can't let that be so. And moving forward, um, on Harrods.com, on Harrods.com, Israeli minister dubs African migrants sanitary nuisance and calls for death sentence for fake news. Communication minister Ayub Kara sparks controversy as he calls for death for propagators of fake news and speaks out against African migrants as Israel launches deportation plan. Israel is to pay $9,000 to any civilian willing to help deport asylum seekers by force. Israel to pay $9,000 to any civilian willing to help deport asylum seekers by force. Israeli rabbis call on government to hold to halt brutal policy of deporting African asylum seekers. Asylum seekers deported from Israel suffered abuse and torture, the UN Refugee Agency says. An Israeli minister called African migrants a sanitary nuisance. Now this just happened on January 13th. Okay, and then a couple of days later, you know, within a day or two later, Trump makes a similar statement overstand but this but the israeli but the israeli minister called them a sanitary nuisance communication minister ayub kara made the comments friday during an event for the lucid party for Eliot. he said that asylum seekers who worked in the southern resort town were an issue for the tourism hotspot, his words come against the backdrop of a controversial plan by the Israeli government to forcefully deport African asylum seekers from the country. In the beginning of the month, the Population Immigration and Border Authority announced that it was launching a campaign to rid Israel of its, of its asylum seekers, saying that among the 35,000 of them currently living in the country, most of them Eritrean and Sudanese nationals will have to leave immediately or face incarceration. In my previous role, I was in charge of regional cooperation to save tourism in Eliot. We brought here 1,500 from Aqaba and thus we deported without making any effort. The illegal workers who infiltrated here and, and were a sanitary nuisance. Sanitary. Kara went on to make another harsh statement in the speech he made, calling for the media outlets that broadcast fake news to be given the death verdict. His words were received with a round of applause. The communication minister said, everyone who brings fake news will bring upon themselves the death verdict and there won't be a effing of fucking fake news anymore. So what's fake? Why is the Israeli prime minister and Trump both using this term fake news whenever their comments come out about what's real. One is calling Africans a sanitary nuisance. One is saying they come from shithole countries. What's fake about that? They're mad that their words are getting out. It's funny to me that I'm being criticized because whoever sees me knows how important freedom of speech is to me, how supportive I am of reforms, how much I want transparency in the media. However, Kara then repeated his words regarding fake news in the Israeli media. Whoever brings fake news brings the death verdict on himself, not me. My intention is for people not to see those who create fake news on billboards, not me. They will bring upon themselves not being seen. See, this is whole confusion and chaos to keep the emotion and the mind whirling 
in a surreal state so that one can't counterbalance or react appropriately to the craziness that's happening. Overstand the main stage and the sideshows. And moving forward on RT.com, shame. Thousands rally against corruption in, in um, Israel as Netanyahu's son scandals breaks forth. Thousands took to the street in Tel Aviv to protest corruption following the release of tapes of Benjamin Netanyahu's son discussing awesome deals his father allegedly made for his pal's gas mogul dad. Earlier this week, Israeli television aired embarrassing recordings of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's 26-year-old son, Yair, hanging out at a Tel Aviv strip club in 2015. He was joined by two friends. Um, this, one of them is the son of natural gas tycoon Kobe Malamon and Roman Abramov, an employee of the Australian gambling ty- tycoon James Packer, and was accompanied by his security guard and a driver. Yair Netanyahu suggested arranging a meeting with a prostitute for his friends. The service would, would, would require 400 shekels, which is $116, which Abramov suggested. Mammon should lend the PM's son, bro, you have to spot me. My dad made an awesome deal for your dad, bro. He fought and fought in the casino for this, bro. You hear Netanyahu said, as quoted by the Times of Israel. With Netanyahu facing growing pressure over allegations of corruption, the recordings added insult to injury for the Israeli prime minister, coming at a time when anti-corruption protests were already at a full swing across the country. On Saturday night, Thousands of protesters marched through central Tel Aviv, pausing outside the home of Kobe Maimon. They called for the Israeli prime minister to step down, chanting, shame, corporate power, organized crime, or BB, go home. I want to have a civilized state and not one where twice a week the prime minister is, is um, investigated by police, one protester told Rupley. I think it's very important to come here. It is maybe the only thing that can make a change here in the country, that we can have a prime minister for everyone, another said. Minor scuffles broke out between the demonstrators and a group of right-wing supporters of the government, and the police had to separate the two opposing groups. Benjamin Netanyahu is facing myriad corruption allegations, with two separate cases being investigated by the police. Mass protests against the prime minister have been held for the last seven years weekends. So as they're talking about the unsanitary Africans, these, you know, here the Prime Minister's son is using, you know, asking people for money to buy prostitutes and talking about deals that his father did for him, did for the other guy's father, that are not lawful. You know, they don't want what they're doing to be shown in the light. And on Euronews.com, protests in Switzerland over Trump's visit. Trump is visiting Davos for the World Economic Forum later this month. Protesters have been marching against the visit of U.S. President Donald Trump in the Swiss city of Bern ahead of the World Economic Forum. People carried placards reading, Fight the WEF, Trump, Capitalism, and Eat the Rich. Trump is due to join leaders like German Chancellor Merkel and French President Macron at the annual elite summit. The forum often draws anti-capitalistic protesters, but the participation of Trump has led Swiss authorities to warn there might be more violence. Trump is the first American president to attend the forum since 2000. So this man is insulting people. 
disrespecting left and right. People are protesting this U.S. president coming on their land. And on ctvnews.ca, Canadian marijuana producers are going on a hiring spree. The Canadian marijuana companies are on a hiring spree looking to fill an array of roles as they gear up for the legalization of recreational cannabis later this year. The workforce is booming, said Allison McMahon, who runs Cannabis at Work, a staffing agency focused on the burgeoning industry. Cannabis at Work, a staffing agency focused on the burgeoning industry. Right now, she is recruiting for positions in everything from growing and production to sales and marketing all across the country. Stigma may once have kept people from applying for work within a cannabis company, but those perceptions have shifted and people are now excited about the opportunities, McMahon had said. I think the people at this point who are looking at the industry and are excited really see the upside of the growth potential, she said. More and more people are open to this topic, so it doesn't end up being a big deal. The buzz around Canadian pot is allowing companies to be picky and choose top talent, said Carolyn McAllister, chief marketing officer at Lyft, a company that puts on cannabis events and runs a website sharing marijuana news and reviews. Because of all the excellent, all because of all the excitement, it's really an opportunity for companies to pick up and pick up the A players in business or whatever field they're operating in," said McAllister. Speaking from firsthand experience, she recently left the job in the financial tech sector to join Lyft. The industry has come out from under the shadows recently, McAllister said, and that's allowing companies to attract business business ex- executives, tech wizards, and marketing masters who are at the top of their game. Dozens of prospective employees came to meet McMahon and her staff at the Lyft Cannabis Expo in Vancouver on Saturday with resumes in hand. Chad Grant said he's been working in construction but wants, but wants to get a job growing marijuana. It's going to be a big industry, so I'd like to be on the ground floor type thing, he said. Working with marijuana is nothing new for some of the applicants. Grady J said he'd been growing for the underground industry for years. Now he wants to transition to working for the legal market. I basically want to wake up and do what I love in the morning, Jay said. Experience is part of what marijuana companies are looking for, particularly when it comes to production, McCanning said, noting that experience could come from working in a commercial greenhouse or the black market. Successful applicants can expect to make salaries comparable to what similar industries offer, McMahon said. A general growing position would probably make about $50,000 per year, she said, while a director of production could expect around $100,000 a year. Some people seem to think that because it's cannabis and because of all the growth, the salaries are going to be so high, McMahon said. But that's not the case. It's a bit more mainstream around the salaries. Anyone who wants to get into the industry should do their research, she added. We can have a really great candidate with a really great skill set, but but if they haven't looked into what's happening in the industry at all, it can potentially be a bit of a de- a bit of a detriment. So for those living in Canada, or those looking for work, they are hiring in all different avenues and aspects of the industry, from marketing, you know, to production, um, all different types of job opportunities. Cannabis at Work Staffing Agency. Cannabis at Work Staffing Agency in Canada. And Abbas, 
slams Trump peace plan as a slap of the century. And this is in Newstimes.com. Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas has described Donald Trump's Middle East peace efforts as a slap of the as the slap of the century. Speaking at the opening of the PLO conference in, in Ramallah on Sunday, Abbas once again disqualified the U.S. as a potential peace mediator with Israel after Trump's recent recognition of Jerusalem as an Israeli capital and his threat to cut aid to Palestinian Authority. Addressing delegates, Abbas declared, "He Trump said it." In he, he, Trump, said in a tweet, so the Palestinians are reading his tweets. We won't give money to Palestinians because they reject because they reject negotiations. Shame on you, Trump. When did we reject negotiations? Abbas added. The political no negotiations should be under international mediation and not solely American mediation. Should I make it clear? We do not accept America as a mediator between us and Israel. Abbas has said he will only accept a broad, internationally-backed panel to broker any peace talks, though that could still include the U.S. During the speech, the Palestinian leader also described America's ambassadors to the U.N. and Israel, Nikki Haley and David Friedman, as a disgrace. He accused Israel of putting an end to the Oslo Accords, which began the peace, the, um, the peace process in 1990. So we have to pray and send positive energy over into the Middle East so that it does not disrupt into even more chaos um, with this president's tweets and with the corruption that's going on and with the name calling. There needs to be a healing, a healing. So let's send love and peace and grace to all those involved so that they can see clearly and not let this fear-mongering and name-calling distract them and pull at their emotional strings so that they're not able to make clear decisions. Overstand. We need clear decisions to be made with a sober mind and a heart filled with peace. In Yeshua's name, we're going to take a music moment and come back with technology. Blessings and grace. I see the smoke. Pausing with your briefcase in a hand when you're not in a 
different story when you turn your face. Well, I tell you what, me not Babylon when Jabos did Sugarcoating lies too sweet in no bitter. Walking like them mind just teach Christian connection can spirit up. Making it easy for the masses to swallow. Experimental disaster. Human animal chimera. Moving faster along the new world disorder. Ethnic cleansing. Blood of humanity spill over. Just look upon the front line war and terror. So I say a war. In a Babylon when Jabos did in the direction of liberation are phony. They are based on your desire to boost and continue your ego, and that will never lead to liberation. All you can do, he says, is to be aware of yourself as you are, without judgment. See what is.
styles tends to uh, 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 not only separate men, you know, because they have their own doctrines, and then the doctrine became the gospel truth, you know, that you cannot change, you know, and. But if you do not have styles, if you just say, well, here, here I am, you know, as, uh, as a human being, how can I express myself totally and completely? Now, that way, you won't create a style because style is a crystallization, you know? I mean, that way, it's a process of continuing growth. Here it is, natural instinct, and here is control. You are to combine the two in harmony. If you have one to the extreme, you will be very unscientific. If you have another to the extreme, you become all of a sudden a mechanical man. Be water, my friend. Empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow, or it can crash. Be water, my friend.
blessings and grace as we move forward into technology. On, singular, on SingularityHub.com, this neural network built by Japanese researchers can read minds. On SingularityHub.com, this neural network built by Japanese researchers can read minds. It already seems like computers can read our minds. Features like Google's autocomplete, Facebook's friend suggestion, and the targeted ads that appeal while you're browsing the web sometimes make you wonder, how did they know? For better or worse, it seems we're slowly but surely moving in the direction of computers reading our minds for real. In a new study from researchers in Kyoto, Japan, is an unequivocal step in that direction. A team from Kyoto University used a deep neural network to read, to read and interpret people's thoughts. Sounds crazy? This actually isn't the first time it's been done. The difference is that previous methods and results were simpler. Deconstructing images based on their pixels and basic shapes, the new technique dubbed Deep Image Reconstruction, moves beyond binary pixels, giving researchers the ability to decode images that have multiple layers of, culture, of color and structure. Our brain processes visual information by hierarchically extracting different levels of features or components of different complexities, said Yukiyasu Yuki Kimitani. One of the scientists involved in the study, these neural networks or AI models can be used as a proxy for the hierarchical structure of the human brain. The study lasted 10 months and consisted of three people viewing images of three different categories, natural phenomena such as animals or people, artificial ge geometric shapes, and letters of the alphabet of varying lengths of time. The viewer's brain activity was measured either when they were looking at the image or afterward, to ensure brain activity after people had viewed the images. They were simply asked to think about the images they'd been shown. Recorded activity was then fed into a neural network that decoded the data and used it to generate its own interpretations of the people's thoughts. In humans, and actually all mammals, the visual cortex is located at the back of the brain, in the occipital lobe, which is above the cerebellum. Activity in the visual cortex was measured by using functional magnetic resonance, using fMRI, which is translated into hierarchical features of deep neural network. Starting from a random image, the network repeatedly optimizes that image's pixel values. The neural network features of the input image become similar to the features decoded from brain activity. Importantly, the team's model was trained using only natural images of people or nature, but it was able to reconstruct artificial shapes. This means the tr that the model truly generated images based on brain activity, as opposed to matching that activity to existing samples. Not surprisingly, the model did have a harder time trying to decode brain activity when people were asked to remember things as compared to activity when directly viewing images. Our brains can't remember every detail of an image we saw, so our recollections tend to be a bit fuzzy. The reconstructed images from the brain the reconstructed images from the study retain some resemblance to the original images viewed by the participants, but mostly they look like minimally detailed blobs. However, the technology's accuracy is only going to improve and its applications will increase accordingly. Imagine instant art 
where you could produce art just by picturing it in your head? Or what if AI could record your brain activity as your sleep or dreaming? Then recreate your dream in order to analyze them. Last year, completely paralyzed patients were able to communicate with their families for the first time using a brain-computer interface. There are countless creative and significant ways to use a model like the one in the Kyoto study, but brain-machine interfaces are also one of those technologies we can imagine having eerie, black mirror-esque consequences if not handled wisely. Neuroethicists have already outlined four new human rights we would need to implement to keep mind-reading technology from going sorely wrong. Despite this, the Japanese team certainly isn't alone in its effort to advance mind-reading, to to advance the mind-reading AI, the artificial intelligence. Elon Musk famously founded Neuralink with the purpose of building a brain-machine interfaces to connect people and computers. Kernel is working on making chips that can read and write neural code. Whether it's to recreate images, mine our deep subconscious, or give us entirely new capabilities, though it's in our best interest that mind-reading technologists proceed with caution. We have to protect our mind. <laughs> Okay, and on the Globe and Mail, the Globe and Mail, Inc., internal CSIS document details megatrends set to alter economy, society, and security. From cryptocurrency to artificial intelligence, the rise of millennials, a top-secret document by Canada's spy agency, explores the so-called megatrends on its radar and details how they will transform the economy, society, and security. The evolution of these trends, set to play out over the next 5 to 15 years, will unlock new opportunities and new threats, said the recently released document prepared for Michael Colombe, who was the director of the Canadian Security Intelligence Service at the time. The draft discussion paper was created ahead of Colombe's participation in November 2016 Deputy Minister's Committee meeting on national security. In the briefing, CSIS officials shared their insights on cybersecurity and privacy, the economy's evolution toward knowledge-based sectors, the arrival of blockchain and cryptocurrencies, artificial intelligence, the emergence of millennial generation, encryption, and the advance of quantum technologies. Each of these trends bring promise and challenge to the paper, which was labeled top secret. The rate and impact of technological advances and interactions are often misunderstood or underestimated. Organizations faced with time, money, and people constraints will struggle to make effective planning and investment decisions. It warned that significant and sustained leadership, innovation, partnerships, and investments will be necessary to deal with the complexity and accelerated pace of these changes. A take-home message of the document is that policymakers must figure out how much they really know about these about these disruptive technologies, their potential national security risks, and how to ensure Canada stays secure and prosperous. The briefing was attained by the Canadian press under the Access to Information Act. A few areas highlighted in the CSIS list have already attracted some commitments from the federal government, while Ottawa insists others such as the expected job-killing disruptions of technology change remain a key focus as it prepares its spring budget. 
Finance Minister Bill Morneau has said his upcoming budget will have the core themes that include finding ways for science to help the economy over the long haul and preparing workers for the rapidly changing job market from advances like automation. A recent report by Morneau's Economic Growth Council recommended Ottawa introduce new measures to help Canadians acquire new skills to prepare for the labor market impacts of new technologies. Another group's suggestion, it argued that Canada urgently needs another $15 billion and annual investments by 2030 for adult, for adult skills development to help workers adjust to the coming changes. The CSIS document also warned that the world's knowledge-based sectors evolved, that as the world's knowledge-based sectors evolved, we should expect increasingly fierce competition as states, organizations, and, indi and individuals target new expertise and intellectual property belonging to others. It's called disinformation which would mostly exist in electronic format, a highly valuable commodity that will need protection from cyber attacks. The federal government is planning to release a national IP strategy in the coming months. In last year's budget, Ottawa said the strategy would promote the development of new ideas and technologies by helping ensure companies, academics, and inventors reap benefits from their investments. The document also pointed a group of major technologies that promised to bring profound change, such as AI, advanced robots, nanotechnology, and biotechnology. At the same time, however, it cautioned these developments will likely lead to the creation of new actors. These include state-run laboratories, corporate investors, do-it-yourself maker groups, terrorists, and organized criminals that are competing to harness and leverage these technologies in pursuit of their interests, it said. The paper underlined many broader risks associated with these technologies, from increased susceptibility to cyber attacks, to the facilitation of foreign weapon systems, to unemployment, to AI complications and the related liability issues. The document also examined blockchain technology, the distributed ledger underpinning cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, the documents that have done right, blockchain could become the plumbing for all transaction-based systems. Blockchain could become the plumbing for all transaction-based systems, including those for government services, health records, and real estate. Looking at the impact of demographic shifts, CSIS said millennials will be the architects of much of this social, political, and technological disruption, which means organizations must be ready to adapt, hire, and retain them. The next anticipated cycle will be spurred by the millennial generation who raised in a technology-rich environment had the potential to launch the next industrial revolution and create an economic boom rivaling, if not surpassing, the one creating by the outgoing baby boomers. Now, this document was released, and um, it's letting you know what's happening. And this was just published three days ago. And Walmart, on, on um, Inquisitor.com, Walmart officials plan to cut thousands of jobs through closures, through store closures from automation. Walmart officials plan to cut thousands of jobs through store closures and automation. Walmart credited the Trump tax plan for its recent bonuses and pay increase, while at the same time 
quietly planning to eliminate stores and create facilities that have no cashiers. At a time when Walmart officials announced an increase in starting pay and bonuses for their employees, they were taking actions that will likely end up placing thousands of those employees on the unemployment line. Since the announcement, which was tied to the Trump tax cuts, Walmart announced plans to close 63 Sam's Club stores across the United States and move this a move that is expected to put thousands of employees at work, 63 stores, thousands of employees out of work. And the Arkansas Democrat Gazette reported Saturday, Saturday the company is laying off 1,000 employees from its corporate headquarters in Bentonville, Arkansas. The company's long-range plan signals thousands more, more may be put out of work on a permanent basis. The company's long-range plans signals thousands more may be put out of work on a permanent basis. Recode reports a Walmart company's initiative, Project Kepler, is, is designed to create physical stores that will operate without cashiers and checkers. The stores will be promoted as making it easier for customers, but Walmart stores across the country have already installed more and more self-service self lines that have enabled Walmart to trim the number of employees it needs. Even the portion of the Walmart news that has been positive for the company has critics. A column on CNN website by Jonathan Tassini, the author of The Essential Bernie Sanders and His Vision for America, noted that while credit for the increase in the minimum wage for Walmart employees has been given to the recently passed tax cut legislation, other factors may have contributed just as much or more to Walmart's decision. One of Walmart's chief competitors, Target, recently announced it was raising its starting pay to $11 an hour, and Walmart has also been a victim of the low unemployment rates in the United States over the past several months, Tassini said. The dwindling workforce available has forced Walmart to increase its salaries in order to attract new employees. Another decision that brought positive publicity to Walmart, the awarding of bonuses to employees, while certainly welcomed, is not quite the act of generosity it, it has been portrayed to be, according to, to Tassini. As the company noted, the bonus was a one-time event, and while the $1,000 figure was touted in Walmart news releases in the article based on those news releases, only a small number of employees will receive the $1,000 bonuses. The bonuses will be awarded based on employees' longevity, and with the high amount of turnover at Walmart stores across the country, few of the company's 1.5 million employees will be taking home that much money. Tassini referred to the bonuses as an almost cost-free PR stunt. Some of those employees who receive bonuses may soon find them accompanied by less take-home pay. The Democrat Gazette article indicated Walmart is eliminating co-manager positions at its stores, but making those who currently hold those positions eligible for lower-paying director positions. Now, on the NewYorkTimes.com, AI has arrived in investing. Humans are still dominating. Um, so, machines are starting to take the place of people who flip burgers, drive across town, and lately manage stock portfolios. Artificial intelligence is taking on a bigger role in making investment decisions. AI, including an ability to analyze data and actually learn from it, is considered useful in executing certain investment models. 
such as high-frequency trading, and in helping fund fund managers with tasks that rely on gathering and interpreting reams of information. Going a step further, an exchange trade fund introduced in October uses AI algorithms to choose long-term stock holdings. It's too early to say whether ETF AI-powered equity will be a trendsetter or merely a curiosity. Artificial intelligence continues to become more sophisticated and complex, but so do the markets. That leaves technology and investment authorities debating the role of AI in managing portfolios. Some say it will only ever be a tool, valuable but subordinate to its flesh-and-blood masters, while others envision it taking control and making decisions for many funds. We are just beginning to see a rise of the machines in the investment management, said Campbell Harvey, a professor of finance at Duke University. Although he said it's hard to define what the markets will look like if human judgment is usurped, he predicted that in the end it will be a good thing for investors. Artificial intelligence is a term that may be spoken more than understood. Many investment firms use software to sift through data and perform rudimentary analysis by following fairly simple rules. The programs can create portfolios by screening universes of stocks to select one that meet criteria related to corporate results, valuation metrics, or trading patterns, or by tweaking the proportions of the constituent companies in an index based on certain factors. Those programs may be useful, but they are not AI because they are static. They do the same thing over and over until someone changes them. AI involves machine learning in which a program updates itself. As new information comes in, whatever goal the program was created to achieve remains the same, but the problem-solving tools it uses keeps changing and reflect the sum of the information it has to work with. Large fund management companies like Fidelity and Vanguard say they use AI for a range of purposes, but they decline to be specific. BlackRock says it, that it relies on it for heavy cognitive lifting, often by scouring to, to tease out patterns that might remain obscure to human eyes and brains. Examples offered by Jessica Graney, a company spokesman, included identifying and trying to exploit non-intuitive relationships between securities and market indicators, perusing social media to gain insights on employee attitudes, sentiment and preferences, and monitoring search engines for words being entered on particular topics, say cars or luxury goods. These algorithms play a supporting role in BlackRock's investing, Mrs. Ganey said. Decisions on what to buy and sell are made by living, breathing managers. AI-powered equity ETF is different. It uses algorithms to go the last mile and selects its holdings, usually 30 to 70 stocks, said Art Armidar, one of the founders of Equibot, the company that creates the fund. He had the assistance of an IBM program that forced this technology startup, and the ETF runs most of its calculations on an IBM Watson computer. Equibot's AI techs mimics the investment process of an army of equity research analysts working around the clock, Mr. Armador said. It has data on 6,000 companies, 1 million articles and filings a day, and data on market sediment. But beyond sorting through that information and using its programming to ensure it has what it considers the optimal portfolio, the fund typically makes makes at least one trade every day, and it constantly fine-tunes its stock-picking methods. Mr. Armadar says that artificial intelligence has an edge 
over the natural kind because of the inherent emotional and psychological weaknesses that that encumber human reasoning. Mr. Armidar says that artificial intelligence has an edge over the natural kind because of the inherent emotional and psychological weaknesses Mm-mm-mm. that encumber human reasoning. When it comes to a traditional portfolio management, managers are going to talk to analysts and sector specialists, but these people have biases and incentives, he said. The algorithm doesn't have them. So now AI is involved wholeheartedly in investing. And on TechExplore.com, the forever battery is a compelling talking point at CES. The Consumer Electronics Show um, just recently ended in Las Vegas. And Osaya has worked on something they call the Kota Forever Battery. We need little explanation to turn heads to fuller attention. They have worked on a battery powered wirelessly. The Forever Battery and its associated technology dubbed Kota, C-O-T-A, created much interest at CES. It's all about a battery that may never need replacing. Editor-in-chief of Tom's Guide, Mark Spoonara, said that there is something very compelling about the idea of a forever battery and a system that can deliver power at long distances. The The battery would get its power from the Coda Tile. The company defines Coda Tile as a wireless power transmitter disguised as a drop ceiling tile. Transmitter. Spinora explained how this transmitter could sit in your house, a ceiling tile, perhaps mounted on a wall and deliver juice to a 2.4 gigahertz spectrum to a tiny receiver in the battery. Radio waves used by Coda, 2.4 gigahertz frequency, almost see our world as if it's made of mirrors and glasses. Everything is either absorbing like our bodies or reflecting partially like drywall or reflecting totally like metal cabinets, wrote Haitam Zane in the company's site last year. Osaya's system will consistently charge the battery from anywhere in the house as long as it's in range of one of the company's Coda tiles, wrote Alex Lee in Alpha. More details on how it works were discussed. Um, according to Osa, Kota works because the Kota transmitter contains dozens of tiny RF antennas with similar antennas mounted within an AA battery, charging case, or hypothetical smartphone. Litsuitsi said that the transmitter broadcasts a directed and concentrated RF signal toward a given device in a room, which is absorbed by the gadget's own RF antenna inside and turned into usable power. Coda is not limited to just a few feet. The tile can power multiple devices in motion without a line of sight at a distance, said the company. As for the batteries, we wouldn't we just like to walk away from the whole concept of battery? Alex Lee and Alfred said we cannot just yet. He said a lot of gadgetry and children's toys still rely on physical batteries, from remote controls to smart detectors to smart IoT devices like lights, security systems, locks. Removable batteries remain unavoidable. Still, the repercussions of disposable batteries that need replacing go beyond inconvenience. Alpha, every year in the United Kingdom alone, 600 million disposable batteries are thrown away, 
with only a third of these being recycled. While the amount of mercury in these alkaline batteries has been reduced, the substances in batteries leak into soil and groundwater and landfills, releasing pollutants and toxins into the air. Osaya has other alarming numbers. Each year, more than 3 billion batteries are thrown away in the United States alone. Although battery makers have reduced the quantity of toxic materials in batteries, battery disposal remains regulated and poses environmental risks. So they have the forever tile that will go on your ceiling or on a wall, and it will power your devices wirelessly. The forever battery. On Foresight.org, Foresight.org from the Foresight Institute, changing the world with a nanofabricator that could make anything. Changing the world with a nanofabricator that could make anything. The Foresight Institute was founded in 1986 on a vision presented by Eric Drexler in which the ultimate manufacturing technology uses a machine termed a nanofactory or nanofabricator to provide atom-by-atom control of the manufacturing process for complex objects, both large and small. Although initially controversial, this vision has been increasingly accepted over the past 32 years as progress in the underlying technologies leading in that direction has accelerated. Two essays published two weeks ago, both point to Drexler's vision and link to its vision of the future put forward in September of 2013 by renowned British science historian James Burke, which predicts that nanofabricators will be common by 2042 and imagines the effects they will have had on the world by 2103, 90 years after Burke wrote. Burke's September 2013 essay is available at Radio Times. Burke bases predictions on the world of 2013 will be unrecognizably different on the assumption that the year 2040 sees the beginning of worldwide distribution of kits to make nanofabricator able to take dirt, air, and water, and a bit of cheap carbon-rich acetylene gas, manipulate atoms and molecules, and produce anything you want virtually free. Since each of these can make a copy of itself, everyone has one by 2042. Burke continues pointing out that nanofabricators will thus eliminate the need for infrastructure and for government and that and that the resulting abundance will eliminate the need for crime with it the need for privacy um, diseases would be eliminated without jobs to qualify for education would be replaced by learning for fun entertainment will be all in brain with accompanying holograms tailored to your most idiosyncratic idiosyncratic wishes and how a machine can make anything would change everything on singularity hub thomas horngold comments on burke's prognostication it sounds like science fiction although with the advent of 3d printers in recent years less so than it used to and links the concept of drexler's work on molecular assemblers and richard fenneman's 1959 talk plenty of room at the bottom Noting progress toward nanofabricators, citing the paper from David Lay's group that was recently cited, Harnagold speculates that it may well be make it faster progress by mimicking the process of biology, where individual cells, optimized by billions of years of evolution, routinely manipulate chemicals and molecules to keep us alive. 
After agreeing with Burke that the widespread availability of vinyl fabricators will destroy the current social, economic, and political systems because it will become pointless, Harngold compares such a world with warnings about a world with superintelligent AI. We are limited to considering things in our own terms. There is no sense in comparing it to anything we know because it's kind of different. Nanofabricators. That's a whole new thing. That's like the thing in Star Trek when they used to put it in the wall and he would say um, a cup of soup and then they all of a sudden you'd have soup. That was called a replicator, right? A replicator. So this is a nanofabricator which is similar and it's in the works and they're working on it. And that's on foresight.org. And in wired.com, please do not assault the towering robot that roams Walmart. Literally, okay, um, they have a six-foot-tall robot. So there's a hard-working robot from a company called Bossa Nova. At over six feet tall, it roams the aisles, blasting shelves with light and snapping photos. In two minutes, it can image 80 feet of aisle, capturing a whopping two terabytes of raw data, scanning a 100,000-square-foot-plus store, that makes it one of the first truly intelligent robots to work alongside humans in complex, way, in complex ways outside of a factory. Other than city streets, it's hard to think of a more difficult environment for a robot to navigate than a store. This is in Walmart. The machine has to be able to not only autonomously roam the aisles, but dodge workers and step stools and customers suddenly stopping or pulling U-turns with their carts. Just look around you the next time you're in a busy grocery store. It's chaos. Vasanova's robot navigates with LIDAR, meaning it sprays the world with lasers to build a map. The machine will, of course, stop and wait if it comes across a human and will make the decision to reroute if it encounters something that won't be moving anytime soon, like a new display. All the while, the robot is snapping photo after photo of the shelves, both with 2D and 3D cameras. The robot complements this data by scanning the shelves with LIDAR. We look at the depth of the shelves so we're able to see whether a product is fully stocked, completely out of stock, or some level of depletion in between, says Martin Hitch, chief business officer of Bossa Nova. The robot also checks to make sure the products are arranged in right order. A human worker, store associate, in corporate speak, then uses this information to do the actual restocking. But why would there... Why would the robot stop there? Why wouldn't it also help with the stocking? Well, because they have lots of things humans are still better at than robots. Manipulation is a huge challenge in robotics because we live in a human world designed to work with human hands. Just think of the range of products in a Walmart. All those different shapes and sizes and weights. Any robot would struggle mightily to manipulate them all. That is for the time being. Researchers are getting robots to handle more and more objects with greater confidence. A startup called Kindred, for instance, is developing a system where a robot learns two ways how to best grasp an object by imitating a human and by teaching itself through trial and error, known as reinforcement learning. The idea is for the robot to tackle the range of items that you'd find in order 
fulfillment center where the stuff you buy online is sorted into boxes. If brick and mortar stores are going to survive online retailers, they'll need all the help from robots they can get. Amazon alone employs 100,000 robots in its warehouses to ferry items to humans who then place the products in boxes. But it's only a matter of time before robots get good enough at manipulation to handle the whole process on its own. More immediately, Bossa Nova's machines is wandering a strange new frontier. Humans aren't quite sure how to interact with robots. We have people that will want to come up and ask questions, said Hitch. What is it doing? How does it work? Kids, kids, excuse me, children, I hate that word kid. Children tend to take a particular interest, which isn't ideal for a robot with a job to do. And then there's the other end of the spectrum, the haters. We have witnessed a couple of people walk past and just kick it. <laughs> says Hitch. The thing is, robots are here to stay, and more and more you'll be interacting with them, whether at the store or at work or both at the same if you're a Walmart employee, and no one is going to blame you for getting confused or curious or flustered around robots. I think in general that maybe society is ready for this, says Bob Doyle, vice president of the Robotics Industry Association. There's always concern, there's consternation when new technology comes in. So the next time you go into Walmart, check around for this six-foot robot that's spraying the LIDAR and snapping pictures and re and making sure what's in stock and um, helping the human workers do their job. And on TheVerge.com, Google fixed its racist algorithm by removing gorillas from its image labeling tech. Google fixed its racist algorithm by removing gorillas from its image labeling tech. Nearly three years after the company was called out, it hasn't gone beyond a quick workaround. Back in 2015, software engineer Jackie Alcine pointed out that the image recognition algorithms in Google Photos were classifying his black friends as gorillas. Google said it was appalled at the mistake, apologized to Alcine, Alcine, excuse me, Alcine, and promised to fix the problem. But as a new report from Wired shows, nearly three years on, and Google hasn't really fixed anything, the company has simply blocked its image recognition algorithms from identifying gorillas altogether, preferring, presumably, to limit the service rather than risk another miscategorization. Wired says it performed a number of tests on Google's Photos algorithm, uploading tens of thousands of pictures on various primates to the service. Baboons, gibbons, and marmosets were all correctly identified but gorillas and chimpanzees were not. The publication also found that Google had restricted its AI recognition in other racial categories. Searching for black man or black woman, for example, only returned pictures of people in black and white, sorted by gender, but not race. A spokesperson for Google confirmed to Wired that the image categories gorilla, chimp, chimpanzee, and monkey remained blocked on Google Photos after Alcide's tweet in 2015. Image labeling technology is still early and, and unfortunately it's nowhere near perfect, said the rep. The categories are still available in other Google services, though including the Cloud Vision API, it sells to other companies and Google Assistant. It may seem strange that Google, a company that's generally seen as a forerunner in commercial AI, was not able to come up with a more complete solution to this error. 
but it's good reminder of how difficult it can be to train AI software to be consistent and robust, especially as one might suppose happened in the case of the Google Photos mistake, when that software was not trained and tested by a diverse group of people. It's not clear in the case where the Google Photos algorithms remain restricted in this way because Google couldn't fix the problem, didn't want to dedicate the resources to do so, or simply showing an overabundance of caution. But it's clear that incidents like this which reveal the often insular Silicon Valley culture that has tasked itself with building world-spanning algorithms need more than quick fixes. Yes, they do. And Las Vegas hotels bet on technology to dazzle guests, according to the Washington Post. It takes just minutes for room service attendant to respond to a text message asking for soda, bring the Diet Coke on a tray with a glass of ice and lime wedges, no need for the modern hassle of placing a phone call. Thousands of guests at some of the Las Vegas casino hotels can also get towels, food, and toiletries delivered with just a few taps on their smartphone. It comes as a staple of hotel room technology. A phone on the nightstand and a flat screen TV aren't cutting it anymore in the hyper-competitive world of Sin City tourism. Guests can use tablets to control room features like lights and temperature, shower infusions, and special lights promises travelers a chance to recharge. And a four-foot-tall robot can point visitors to the nearest ATM. The battle, the millions of Las Vegas tourists, voice-assisted speakers, and purification systems are also part of the push to attract ever more demanding customers to keep them coming back. The hotel brands or casino brands are trying to make themselves evolve to become more relevant to a younger audience. That is highly technologically enabled, said Robert Ripay, director of Hospitality Lab at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Las Vegas hotels are not only ones using such, such technology. The Acme Hotel Company in Chicago put an Amazon Echo in every room. Now that disturbs me because those Echoes listen to you. If you're in a hotel room, I don't, if, if I'm in a hotel room, I don't want something listening to me. So that's good to know. The Acme Hotel Company in Chicago put an Amazon Echo in every room, and the Waldorf Astoria in Beverly Hills, California, has equipped rooms with iPads. But what sets Sin City properties apart is the volume of guests they handle, which can test the technology that must be easy to understand. Let's say the tablet is a Microsoft Surface, but the tablet you use an iPad, so you immediately have a gap, Rippy said. You, you as the user now have to learn to use a product and operating system you're unfamiliar with. If you're here for two nights, you're going to discard it. Caesars Entertainment launched a texting service at its 3,976-room Caesar Palace Hotel in Las Vegas in August, months after rolling out at two boutique hotels. Senior Vice President and Chief Experience Officer Michael Moreno said the service aims to improve guest stay after the company noticed a dip in phone calls. It's not like they have less needs. It's just that something has happened over the last couple of years where people just don't like to call people anymore, Marino said. Four properties now have the service named Ivy, which the company credits for higher scores of two of its hotels and travel reviews, websites TripAdvisor. The service uses artificial intelligence to automatically answer common questions and requests. 
such as gym locations and hours of operation, but train staffers type back responses to more complex inquiries, such as where Muslims should face to pray in the direction of the Kaaba in Mecca. The window to your room faces the east. If you pray facing the window, you'll be oriented toward Mecca, Ivy answered within two minutes. The Cosmopolitan Casino Hotel also launched a chatbot a year ago. Around the same time, Wynn Resorts announced that the Amazon Echo would be installed in every room of the Wynn Las Vegas Hotel. At the Aria and the Vidara Hotel, each room is equipped with a tablet with applications that allow guests to schedule breakfast delivery, access thousands of publications, and adjust temperatures and lights. Travelers can also choose special rooms at the MGM Grand and the Mirage with several lighting options, including one that helps the body's internal clock. It has lighting options that helps the body's internal clock, a device that infuses the shower water with vitamin C. (laughs) They can infuse your shower water with vitamin C via a device. Meanwhile, a shiny white wide-standing robot named Pepper in the lobby of the luxury Mandarin Oriental Hotel can answer a set of pre-programmed questions, including checkout time, how to connect to Wi-Fi network, and the location of the spa. As we go and travel, we will come in contact with more and more technology. We have to be careful as they have these echoes, these things that listen to you inside the hotel room. So be aware and check out the websites before you travel, um, depending on the amount of privacy you personally prefer, so that you can make um, a decision based on your comfort level. We're going to take a music moment and come back with Urbanology. Blessings and grace. Imagine if Marcus Garvey was the youth, them example what the future would be promising. Imagine if Hailey was the teacher and the scriptures were speeches to prepare them for the journey to begin. A new perspective on history to enlighten the mystery immediately before it seeps in an opportunity for unity. Yes, each one must teach one. The neighbor's liquid youth is your son, your daughter, your sister, your brother, a part of who you must become in the event of revolution. Traditional initiation as part of the process To teach the youths them discipline Imagine how learning would be heightened By a positive example From the ones to whom the youths are listening Uprightness in the mindset would be a given The standard by which we'd be living One militant and efficient community In unity Yes, each one must teach one The neighbor's liquid youth is your son, your daughter, your sister, your brother A part of who you must become in the event Revolution No need to be specific, there are those who breathe 
hatred to tear those together apart. But remember that justice is really in judgment, like cancer you plant in your own heart. So when it's hot on the mission, even those who lack vision can confidently trust in you. If we arm them with the truth, strong and sturdy from the root. Yes, each one must teach one. The name of Liku Youth is your son, your daughter, your sister, your brother, a part of who you must become in the event. Revolution. Education which allows people to live together and makes them avoid the pitfalls of immorality and induces respect for the law. Truly, the attainment of these high aims is based on education. The helping of people to live together to avoid indulgence, immorality, and lawlessness. To command and to be commanded fruit of education and unity and confidence is the result. Education of the youth is the surest guarantee for a better life. From truth alone are born liberty and only an educated people can consider itself as really free and master of its fate. Blessings and grace, and I'm back with Herb Knowledge. With the top herbs for treating the flu, there is a nasty, strong strain of flu going around, and it's even killing some, I believe, 48 people have passed away with this new strain of flu. I believe it's called the H3N2. It's a whole new variation. So we can also still treat this with the nature of the Most High. The first thing I'd like to recommend is coconut oil. Coconut oil is antimicrobial and antiviral. You can put like a half a teaspoon in your tea. There's also coconut oil pills. Please cook with it in your food to add the efficacy of the oil into your foods and so it can get into your bloodstream and combat the virus that's going around. Also, um, all of oregano is again antimicrobial, antiviral, and it's also a disinfectant. You could put it in the humidifier inside your room, a couple of drops, and it will disinfect the air. You could put some in a juice in a small Dixie cup and um, put about 40 drops or 20 drops, whatever the bottle says, and um, have that every three hours in a small container of juice to help fight the virus. Also, there's echinacea. Echinacea um, 
has been used for thousands of years to treat infections, snake bites, and as well as wounds is known as a general cure oil. It can help keep the immune system healthy and strong and protect it from common pathogens like the influenza virus. Elderberry, also known as Sambuku, has been used for centuries as a tonic for cold and flu and sinus congestion. Um, elderberry has been used for many generations as a medicinal tea. There's also elderberry syrup. That's the way I take it, the thick purple syrup. And um, it encourages perspiration. It aids in detoxifying your body tissue. And so elderberry also helps reduce fever, purifies the blood, and it cleanses the body cells of pathogens, as well as ginger. Fresh ginger root has been used in medicine and, you know, India, Asian, Arabic, herbal traditions since ancient times. Used the treatment for digestive problems, stomach upset, nausea. Ginger has also been a natural um, remedy for a variety of ailments. It's a powerful anti-inflammatory. It's been used to help treat the common cold and flu-like symptoms, headache, as well as painful menstruation. Um, because of the warming nature of the root, it helps produce sweating, thus helps release the pathogens. And ginger also helps to strengthen the immunity of weaker individuals who sweat without the relief of the symptoms. And also, andrographis. Andrographis is used in Ayurvedic medicine is considered part of the Hindu folk medicine. It originated in India. It's traditionally used to treat upper respiratory infections and sinusitis. Andrographis was shown in a recent study to reduce the symptoms of coughs, sore throats, headache, and fever. Also, boneset. The herb boneset is an immune stimulant that has a long history of being used effectively in cases of influenza and fever. It's a great antiviral whose strong bitter taste helps to dry out the mucus and stimulate digestion of the toxins. Bone said has been said by many herbalists to be one of the best choices for the herbal treatment of flu. Bone set was traditionally used to treat not only fever and flu, but also respiratory allergies, chills, rheumatism, bruises, broken bones, urinary tract infection, and jaundice. The powerful herb contains at least 23 nutrients, including chromium, calcium, iron, magnesium, vitamin A, vitamin C, and zinc. So um, it's recommended to take bone set internally for fevers. Is um, it's a warm or as a warm infusion or tea and drink four to five cups of the tea while in bed to induce the sweating. So again, that's bone set, andrographis, ginger, elderberry, echinacea, olive oregano, and coconut oil to help fight this flu that's going out here right now. We're going to take a music moment and come back with the metaphysics of the moment.
It is time you open up that metaphysical grave that had been dug for you, the part of you, the spark that lays buried. That is what's going to open you up. That's what's going to give you the ability to escape. Escape. Your metaphysical mind. 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 Blessings and grace, and I'm back with the metaphysics of the moment. I'd like to start off tonight with the word nebalot. Nebalot is the Hebrew word that means hardness, firmness, veiled prophecy, hidden germination, secret folly, hidden weakness, covered wickedness, foolishness. It's a city of Palestine to which some of the Benjamites returned from Babylon captivity in Nehemiah 11.34. The metaphysical meaning of Nebalot is this group of thoughts that embraces both good and seemingly error tendencies. There is a firmness and a solidity about it that is good, yet tends to hardness, though seemingly hidden. Seemingly hidden. Truth is working in it, giving promise of still better things, a veiled prophecy, hidden germination, right, hidden behind the mask. On the other hand, it is the abode of secret sins, of foolish, concealed wickedness, secret folly, hidden wickedness, covered wickedness that needs to be uncovered and cleansed away by the power of active faith in God. Right, Benjamin, who can discern his errors? Clear thou from me hidden faults. Psalms 19.12 Clear thou from me all the hidden faults. And Sethor. Sethor means covered, veiled, secreted, hidden, protected, covert, hidden, deceitful, sin, self-defilement. The man chosen from the tribe of Asher to help spy out the land of Canaan in Numbers 13.13. Metaphysically, Sethor means a degree of understanding of truth, but kept in the background and not acted upon, covered, veiled, hidden, secreted. Thus deceptive errors are developed in the inner consciousness and the individual, covert, deceitful, hidden sin, self-defilement. Errors that are harmful to him and greatly hinder his spiritual development. See, we can't keep this mask on and not fully be ourselves because it will hinder further development. Seth Thor was one of the ten spies who brought back an evil report of the land of Canaan. These spies acknowledged that the land was good and greatly to be desired, but they magnified the size and strength of the enemies in it and minimized their own strength, not counting on the power of the Most High, which was to win their battle. Thus they discouraged their people of Israel and were the cause of many more years of wandering in the wilderness that was necessary. See, they went in and they didn't tell the whole truth and they exaggerated parts. Overstand. And um, also the, the, the metaphysical meaning, the real world meaning of personality. The sum total of characteristics that man has personalized as distinct of himself, independent of others or of divine principles. The word personality is used by metaphysicians, is contrasted with the word individuality. Individuality is real. Personality is the unreal. 
the mortal, the part of us that is governed by the selfish motives of the natural man. Personality is a veil or a mask worn by man that conceals the real, the spiritual I am. Jesus shattered this mask and revealed Christ, the true man of God. Individuality is Jehovah, ideal man, image and likeness of Elohim, universal creative mind. The personality is Adam, man formed by Jehovah and commanded to develop in his individuality in Eden, an environment of all potential possibilities. Personality is what man seems to be when he thinks in his three-dimensional consciousness. Individuality is what he really is when he thinks in his unlimited spiritual consciousness. As the true Christ self emerges, personality decreases, and the real self, the individuality, begins to express. He must increase, but I must decrease. But I must decrease. John thirty thirty. Overstand. The personality is what man seems to be when he thinks in his three-dimensional consciousness, but the individuality is what he really is when he thinks in his unlimited spiritual consciousness. He must increase, but I must de- but I must decrease. John three thirty. And the metaphysical meaning of veil, veil of the temple, that in the body which has shut out the light of the Spirit and has hindered man from consciously standing in the presence of God. This mask that we wear, it hinders man from consciously standing in the presence of God. The rending of the veil of the temple pictures a letting go of the belief in the reality of material consciousness. The relinquishment of the soul to God is the final giving up of all human ambitions and aims releasing it letting it go is the ultimate the final giving up okay when we when once we give it all up to god and we let and we let go and let the most high take control understand that's so important it's so important hopefully you know, this topic was able to broaden one's minds and take a look around them and think on team building and think on you building and we building. Overstand. We're going to take a music moment. Blessings and grace. I thought I needed all the things I never had. I thought I wanted all the things you thought would catch. I thought I needed all the things I never had. I thought I wanted all the things you thought would catch. Happiness is inside And then listen, bring your life All the joy you'll decide You will find
Blessings and grace, I'd like to thank you once again for joining me for this episode of Women's Wednesday and looking into the task of seeing behind the mask, the eight mask of men. I'd like to give love to the music that accompanied me this evening. That was just Acres Escapism 3, Darren Alexis Truth, Sun Ra Godspell, Don Tillman Find Strength, John 9 Imagine, Kendrick Scott Be Water, Charm Taylor Mind is Water, Rima War, Rough Draft Flamingosis Double Time, J Electronica featuring Latanya Givens, Better in Tune with the Infinite, Rima Take Your Mind, Igbo Chant, John 9, Mr. Preacher Man, Georgia Ann Muldrow, Tungsten Babaloa, J Bambi, Pure If I, Georgia Ann Muldrow, Prologue, Rima, Ja World, Christina Fleming, Prayer, Whitefield Brothers featuring Bajaka, Orthology, Sarak, The First Mother, and John Nine in the Midst. Remember that you are water. Cry, cleanse, flow. Remember that you are fire. Burn, tame, ignite. Remember that you are air. Be still, focus, decide. Remember that you are earth. Ground, build, and give. Peace, blessings, strength, and love to all.